George Carlin's career trajectory is one defined by change. He initially started as a clean comic before reinventing himself as the counterculture dean, his name even reaching the Supreme Court with his infamous seven dirty words routine. Despite facing a career low in the 80s, Carlin defied the odds and triumphantly returned to the stage at Carnegie Hall after surviving a life-threatening heart attack. But he didn't come back calm or complacent. Now he was angry. His revitalized presence propelled him to new heights. Carlin embraced his authentic self, a person with deep empathy, disheartened by the harsh realities of how humans treat one another. While it's important to note that later works delved into despair, something we talk about in this episode, they remained a testament to his distinctive voice, but his metamorphosis was complete. Transformed from a whimsical jester and countercultural stoner into a defiant voice, fearlessly expressing frustrations about social and political issues. For this episode, my lifelong friends Ryan and Sean McGann join me to delve into a sort of continuation and, I guess, new episode. <laughs> well, truth be told, we recorded part of it a while back, which you heard in the first part. But then I realized that we didn't really talk about our favorite bits that he did and, and some other things I wanted to touch on. So you'll hear some jokes about that, and, and it does get quite silly, and unfortunately for me, a bit too revealing at times. But it continues from the first part where we talked about cancel culture, and, and it goes into some of the other comedians who help shape American comedy as well. But it really takes a look at questions about the future of comedy, things like, will another comedian rise to the stature of Carlin? Or will the comedy landscape continue to evolve with the emergence of new voices and perspectives? But what I really like about this episode is I think that we found that Carlin's career serves as a microcosm of a larger narrative of comedy in America. In tracing the trajectory of George Carlin's career, we uncover not just the story of a comedian, but the rich tapestry of American comedic history. It's a journey that enlightens us about the power of humor to reflect and shape our society, while reminding us that the art of comedy is a never-ending evolution, forever poised to capture the zeitgeist of our time. But find out for yourself in an episode I'm calling The Carlin Effect 2, unweaving George Carlin's timeless tapestry. Watch out, you might get what you're after. Way out of anything. Yeah. Because of that interest he had, its language, he kind of had power over it. One will just never know, I guess. But no, you know, I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, we're talking about the cancellation of stuff or, you know, cancel is the big word they use. But this has been done, you know, not just in comedy, like, you know, even the parental advisory warning label. I mean, yeah. they, they really wanted to get rid of. That stuff, and that was kind of how they went about it. Instead, they knew they couldn't just get rid of albums and stuff like that. So now we're going to put the parental advisory sticker on. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think it swings back and forth. I think yeah, corrections have, and overcorrections. And, yeah, exactly. 
I mean, you had like the eighties where you had everybody standing in front of a uh, brick wall and you know, like the, with the microphone and yeah, Saturday nights, they always had like the comedy shows on, you know, it'd be like everybody doing 10 minutes or whatever. Like live with the improv and the Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like stuff like that. I mean, it was a big explosion of stand-ups in the eighties. And it was like, some of them were really blazer and tie guys talking about dating and the, you know, dating in the eighties is crazy. You know, it's like, uh, oh, <laughs> And then half of those guys got sitcoms and didn't give a shit because they didn't want to be comedians anyway. They wanted to be actors. And then in the 90s, you kind of had like a lot of the crop and like nerdy guys. Like Harlan Williams was a big guy too for a while there. It's like Patton Oswald got big and Anthony Clark was another one. Yeah, I think it was kind of like different kind Mar- of things. A lot of the Marin got big at that point. Yeah, Marin and Benson. Even like, not that he was a stand up, like um, Andy Dick and Janine Garofalo and that whole crew. Like, you know. I don't know, it just got like a little bit different, but it, it got like more uh, politically correct thing than that kind of. But then in the 2000s, I mean, the 2000s was like when Louis C.K. and Burr and Patrice O'Neill and, you know, Norton and whoever, uh, Tell, those guys all got big. I mean, they were around before that, but that's like when they were really big. And that stuff was, I mean, you go back and listen to that stuff, that stuff's vicious. I mean, that's, that's a yeah, lot yeah. of it. I mean, I mean, so it swung back the other way. And, then, and if, you look, if you look into those guys' careers, like, you know, even Hicks. Like, it took, like, years before they actually broke out. It was, like, six years, seven years, eight years, you know, before, like, they were doing their first nightclub gig till when they actually, like, got a special or whatever. And now it's, like, you look at Netflix, it's, like, yeah, wow, got, yeah. got a comedian for six months yeah. and got a special. Yeah. yeah. And it's guys, no, you don't even know we're comedians. It was, like, guys who are, like, I don't know if this guy is a comedian. He, like, was in a comedy, and now he's doing an hour. So it's like, I think the point is, you know, it'll survive. You know, it's not going to go away. And I mean, these guys acting like, you know. I think it's like you said, I think it's just a pendulum that swings back and yeah. forth. We, we have a, a tendency in society not to just correct. We like super correct. You know what I mean? And then I think at some point there's going to be a guy who somehow pulls off the dangerous comedy act because I don't care, you know, like about being a certain way and then it's like everybody will mimic that and chris rock his last special i didn't see it i only saw the thing he said about uh will smith I yeah he kept calling he talked about it a little bit like you know kind of he didn't say cancel necessarily he might have but i mean i don't he didn't like go into that necessarily he kind of kept saying selective outrage yes I, I i i think is a better that's a good term yeah yeah and he made he made better points about it, and he did tie it into him and Will Smith and all that, which was a little like, all right, dude, like that's a very specific problem. Though. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's more of a you not, problem. Yeah, yeah, we're not all getting slapped <laughs> by the Oscars. Will man. Smith has never done anything to me. It's very unlikely I'm going to be slapped by Will Smith. I mean, he's the made three <laughs> Bad Boys movies and he's filming a fourth. He did that to me. Yeah, really, that's <laughs> really metaphorical slap. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's like. Out of people talking about it, I thought he did a pretty good job with it. So it, it'll survive. You know, I think as far as making an impact, though, as far as Carlin did, I, I think you, know, you had Pryor and you had Carlin. Yeah. And, I know Pryor kind of doesn't get his due, I think, a lot of times. Well, I think he did for a while, but there's less, he had less output. and That's true, too. You know, he, he acted more and he kind of. But let me ask up. you this. Like, do you think. I think Pryor's great. He's, probably, he's, you know, he's obviously in the Hall of Fame, Matt Rushmore, whatever. But you think Pryor, though? Like, I don't. I don't know if I'd put him on the same level. He's so funny. Different. It was different. He was. Like, he talked about his personal life in Carlin. Did yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if I'd put like you know people always say like Carlin Pryor. Pryor was great. 
but I don't know if the stuff is still relatable as as Carlin yeah. stuff. I don't know. I think a lot of it was you know white people, black people stuff, which is funny stuff. But I mean, you know, after, I mean, especially like after he's you know, <laughs> you know the trouble with setting himself on fire or whatever. You well, know, that, that came out one of change. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he was the he was the Carlin, and then he, he switched over. Well, I, you know, I mean, you got to, or else you're you're Robert Klein doing the, you know, harmonica act for. Can't stop my leg. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're saying about you know Pryor and you know another guy who was around during his era was Dangerfield. Oh, oh yeah. And I mean that's See, that's completely apples and oranges, and you know Rickles. I mean those guys are like just completely different animals. Dangerfield so. was so good because of his one-liners, and 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 Rickles was so good because of his. He could insult anybody saying anything, and everybody took it as a joke. It you great. watch the Dean Martin specials, and he says some of the most fucked up shit. <laughs> and you're just like, and and even the person he's talking, yeah, like Flip Wilson, he'd be like, yeah, you're you're fa- fantastic. Just don't move in my neighborhood. And like they would just laugh hysterically <laughs> because he just like he did everything tongue in cheek, and everybody knew he was joking. And it's well, then at the end, you go, "I'm a nice guy." I don't, you know, he's like yeah. singing a song mm-hmm. at the end, like so. It's but like, like you couldn't get away with that today. Like a Don Rickles could not emerge today. Um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, not the same thing, obviously. But I think. I see clips of guys doing stuff that's, you know, a little, uh... Yeah, but you know, like, the people today, like Anthony Jeselnik, he sucks. I hate him. I don't think he's funny. He's not. He tries so hard to sound edgy, and it just... And that's the the point. He tries so hard. Yeah. But, like, Rickles, it was just so natural when he's... Like, he just made a joke, and he just went to the next thing, but, like, he, he waited for the crowd reaction, good or bad. And he just went to the next insult. Rickles felt to me like I was at a party and he was just like the funniest guy there, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I saw him insulting Ronald Reagan for like 10 minutes. Oh, at yeah, some, inauguration. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, Reagan is in stitches. And oh, yeah. He's just like, he's talking. They probably had a puppet in front of him. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dangerfield was so good because, like, you know, Steve and Ryan Mitch had, or they, like, kind of, I, I think they kind of built off what Rodney did. But, like, Dangerfield was just so funny because his jokes were so outlandish that it was, like, it could not be funny. Even if it wasn't funny, it was still funny. Yeah, I kind of say that, uh, even, like, when you have humor with friends sometimes, it's, like, you could make fun of somebody, but it's, like, if you go totally so far like you're using a little humor about them, but you're making it so off the wall that it's like you can't not laugh at it. Like you can't really get insulted by it. All right. So why don't we segue to our favorite bits? I know we each chose one. So I think that's where we're going to go next. We should have signed each other bits like homework. Oh, we should have done that. Like a, like a uh, blind ballot. That get right down and <laughs> like, oh man, I got hippy dippy weatherman. <laughs> Oh, I got all the Uncle Dave's from a really bad special towards the end. <laughs> that was um, it was life. Was it's worth life's losing. worth losing. That's it. Oh, that yeah, was his ender. Yeah, yeah, the whole like the whole speech about the Uncle Dave's. That was a strange one. I mean, that whole that whole one is like is is pretty morose. Yeah, that uh, that's a good word for it. Yeah, exactly. It's morose. It's not. There's not like that kind of like. It's you not, know. Uh, there's not the redeeming quality of the humor as much. Not that it's not funny. Just. I mean, just from the the grave and all that kind of stuff, it's very, yeah. very dark. That one, it's, it's okay, but it's like, yeah. it's more like it's more poetic. 
like rhythmically than it is his comedy. Yeah, I feel like his last one was almost like I, a makeup for that. I remember watching you were. I, I don't know if we talked about this the last one because it was two weeks ago or whatever. And no, it, it's we, right now. We oh yeah, that's right. I'm so yeah. I mean, it seems like two weeks ago because we've been talking about it forever. Well, but, you made uh, that great point, and we just stopped talking for two weeks while we were looking at each other. Your oral disease. I remember watching it, which was going to tie into my whole thing. We went out right afterwards to a person's house that I hadn't seen in a couple of years, and. uh yeah, that's why I kind of chose that bit. Um, yeah, but you know, at the end of that one is, I mean, obviously we're talking about the Uncle Dave thing, but he's talking about like that one gets like, yeah, I think he was trying to like convey the worst thing, and then when it's over, you know, they're I don't know, like peace or something. It just it didn't really work that one to me, but yeah, I mean, you know, and I mean, if you do fourteen HBO specials, you're not going to hit everything out of the park. Yeah. As much as I love the guy, it's, there was stuff that didn't work. There was stuff that was like, yeah, that's kind of uh, not yeah. good. The end of Jamming in New York, wow. when he's talking about how the you know the buildings are falling and people are running scared. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, some of that stuff does get a little uncomfortable. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I think he's kidding, because I think he does have, like, from what I read and seen him say, he has a fondness for humans, but... Well, that's that's even one of the parts of bad for you. So you're not gonna believe me, but I like people. Why don't you go into it? Because we're kind of stealing your thunder here. I was gonna start. Oh with the well, airport. no. Let's let's do it. So well, that one was probably a better place to close because it's funny and it's not. That's political. true. I don't, yeah, I don't want to go first. That's a lot of pressure. All right, so we're gonna just pressurize Sean, and we're gonna go with uh, people are boring. That's from it's bad for you. The part where he's like, let's oh, so- so fucking, like, he gets, like, a- aggravated. I mean, it's so funny boring. in that part, by the way. Yeah. And it's funny. All right, so I'm watching it with uh, my friend Evan at the time, who was, a, you know, a fan. We're watching it over his place, and, uh, you know, we're supposed to, I don't know, it was probably, like, I guess I was, like, 29, 30, or whatever it was, and uh, we were supposed to go meet up with some girls that we hadn't seen since high school. So we're, like, pushing it, you know, because this thing is, like, an hour long, and, we were supposed to be there at like nine o'clock and the thing started at nine o'clock. I'm like, okay, sorry, I got here late. We're going to, we're well, just getting Evan now. We'll be there in a couple minutes. And of course I'm lying because we're just sitting there watching this thing. <laughs> so we get there and, and they're like, they're sitting around this girl's apartment watching uh, a Dane Cook movie. Ugh. Uh, not a Dane Cook concert, a Dane Cook movie. So it's not even like we're going from stand up to stand up. even better. Yeah, exactly. It was like one of those romantic comedy movies from the mid 2000s. And my friend had just broken up with his girlfriend and was in a bit of a uh, a funk, if you will. But he, you know, whatever. So we're talking about all that kind of stuff. And they're talking about, like, you know, their banking jobs and where they see themselves in five. Like, they were asking us, you know, like, oh, well, you got to think about where do you see yourself in five years and all this. And it was just, like, the most banal, like, boring conversation. And I was like, God, all I can think about is him just going, people are so fucking boring. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I kept thinking about in this thing. I'm like, I'm like, wow, that was like prescient. Like, like how quick that happened to turn around on me. Because I was like so excited to go meet these two girls I hadn't seen forever. And it was, you know what I mean? Like, it was like just like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, well, it's kind of cool. I haven't seen these two, and maybe you know, see what's going on. And no, it was horrible. And it was just the same thing. It was just like, yeah, I tell you about my mom and dad. Now, <laughs> you wouldn't know it for some of the things I've said over the years, but I like people. I do. I like people, but I like them in short bursts. 
I don't like people for extended periods of time. I'm all right with them for a little while. But once you get up past around minute, minute and a half, I got to get the fuck out of there. And my reason for this, my reason is for one that you may share, possibly. I have a very low tolerance level for stupid bullshit. That's all. Stupid bullshit. And while all this is going on, you're searching through your mind for something diplomatic and tactful and graceful that you can say to help end the conversation. And all I can ever come up with is, blow it out your ass! 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 You know? But you can't say that. You, good manners so this guy Jay I used to, to work with at, in Asbury on the rooftop uh, was a huge Carlin fan too and it, we'd be like busy just making drinks and have 300 people screaming at us and we would just start yelling back and forth to us like from here you know 20 feet away we'd be like did I tell you about my mom again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that part's I mean that, that's the part that's stuck with me and they're talking about people on the phone people that don't know how to end a phone conversation oh my god yeah. which is something that always comes up and he goes I try to indicate it with, or when you're in person with somebody, because instead of yelling at them, I try to indicate it with body language. Yeah. He's like, lean, I lean away from them. I go, I point to surgery, surgery. I'm late for surgery. <laughs> like, I, I just, that, that one just cracked me. And it was like, because it was, it was like one of those things that's very simple and very relatable to everybody that, you know, you just can't get away from talking to certain people sometimes. I mean, with certain people, just people in general in life. Yeah. Or sometimes it's just people, you know, He's got that one thing, too, where he talks about seeing somebody's kid. And I think this is the part where he says it. And he just goes, holy fuck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You ever seen some of these kids? That was <laughs> that, I mean, that whole thing kind of blended into me, too, where it was like, uh, uh, you know, I think, you know, somebody dies and they're looking down on you. <laughs> and he goes, what if they're looking up? What if they went down? Yeah, your grandmother's in hell. You know, I always wondered that with like athletes and stuff. Like when they drop like a football, why don't they like point down or something? Yeah, exactly. Like that, right? Like, well, that's another bit he does about you know why is it uh yeah. why do they always thank God when they win and they never blame them when they lose? Well, that's in that same special. It's basically he gets into the rights and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that's a long one. It oh yeah, from yeah. like bullshit, which I, I love that part too. Like bullshit is the glue that binds us together, especially in America and stuff. But he gets into that where he's talking about God and he's like, every every side is praying to their God. And he goes, I have to tell you, somebody's going to be disappointed. He's like, going to be everyone? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I didn't know what to expect from that one because the, uh, the one before it was so, like, like you said, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just kind of, it was very angry. And it was, it was like Brian was saying, like more poetic than uh, comedy stuff more like like a guy up there reading slam poetry or something yeah angry shit but yeah that one was so funny and just that's part of his stuff where it's like relatable stuff your angry stuff and about societal stuff too and yeah if you think you do have rights one last assignment for you next time you're at the computer get on the internet go to wikipedia when you get to wikipedia in the search field for wikipedia i want you to type in japanese americans 1942 and you'll find out all about your precious fucking rights, okay? All right. You know about it. You know about it. 
1942, there were 110,000 Japanese-American citizens and good-standing, law-abiding people who were thrown into internment camps simply because their parents were born in the wrong country. That's all they did wrong. They had no right to a lawyer, no right to a fair trial, no right to a jury of their peers, no right to due process of any kind. The only right they had, right this way, <laughs> into the internment camps. Just when these American citizens needed their rights the most, their government took them away. And rights aren't rights if someone can take them away. They're privileges. That's all we've ever had in this country is a bill of temporary privileges. And if you read the news even badly, you know that every year the list gets shorter and shorter and shorter. You see how similar? Yeah, I'm glad that when he passed, it was after that one and not yeah. before, because I think then it would have been... I mean, he obviously would have still had the legacy and stuff like that, I yeah. think, but, you know, it would have been like, well, when he went out, he went out, you know. Yeah, exactly, because I remember, like, even Opie and Ant kind of talking of, you know, and whatever with them, but they always used to talk about how much they loved Carl, and then I think that one came on, that second to last one came on. It's like, oh, he's not even doing jokes anymore, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I could see a lot of people, and not that, you know, whatever, I mean, at some point, they, everything gets reassessed at some point anyway, so. so right. That's the, um, that special is the great one where he talks about the flag and you know, why do you have to take your hat off during the start? What if it's American? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just point your head at it. Like, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm going to do one that's an ender, and I thought that was a great one. But I think he went out. That was, like, the best ending you could have. And that's the one that's probably, I see, used more than anything else when they talk about him. As mm -hmm. far as, I always see, like, the TikTok videos, like, George Carlin was right 15 <laughs> years ago. You know, and it doesn't matter what side you're on. It's like a, you could be anything, you know, libertarian, for God's sakes. And you're starting, you know, you're claiming Carlin as your own. But yeah. um, but everybody uses that one. And I do remember watching that one. I didn't see it when it aired. I actually was sick from work. I mean, I was actually, like, really sick, I remember. And, you know, it was like, it was like flipping through the channels. I was like, oh, shit, I missed this. And I, I watched it from the beginning. I remember fucking cracking up, which was saying something, because I think I had like 101 fever or some shit. But well, that's because you got the vaccine. That's no true. Reason. <laughs> yeah, no reason a perfectly healthy uh, young man like you. Yeah, you know, that's because they wanted to put the microchip in me. Let's yeah. just be honest. And George, I mean, People like Jay Burke and Jamie Foxx just don't randomly get sick. That's why I like Cartland, because he's, you know... He's, he's he, out there telling He's it. out. He yeah. would be there with me on my, you know, right wing rants about uh you know the biden crime family and yeah all that well, you wear your red hat today i yeah well i'm getting it dry cleaned because that one is special to me so i don't you know is it the small make america or is it the big maga is I, it what is it red hat day a red oh i thought i thought i missed something okay yeah um we'll see if that stays in um but, <laughs> <laughs> how brave you are burke gonna alienate I'm trying, your audience i'm trying to get everybody i can to listen to this goddamn thing <laughs> they're gonna the listen to the first part and then they're gonna listen to the second part and they're gonna you know what he was really making some good points yeah <laughs> and i heard he has a red hat so the, my the more he goes like you're gonna have a huge right wing following and you're just gonna start coming out with left wing stuff and they're gonna be like all right well, let's, let's hear him out yeah. <laughs> it was funny i was reading actually an article about him i like how this is when i knew this was gonna happen but that's okay i don't know where they were talking about that, where, you know, everybody has claimed him. Mm -hmm. 
on the political spectrum anyway, which I thought, you know, I think is pretty funny in general. But it was, I, I've heard him talk, you know, you talk about like, you know, people trying to say he was right back then and this and that. You know, he was talking about, he said he didn't like the orthodoxy of the left. Yeah. And he didn't like, like the orthodoxy, orthodoxy of the left right. any more than I like orthodoxy of the right. The right wing Christians are trying to control your behavior. They're trying to control the behavior of other people. The left wing academics are trying to be, uh, control the language and behavior of people. I don't like anyone trying to control and, and, uh, and dictate to me from an orthodox standpoint. I, I just I mean, don't he's talking about this in like nine, it's, it's in the nineties. Yeah, and I mean, the, I mean, if you watch, what is it? The, what the hell am I doing in the Jersey? The language thing, kind of a right issue, you know, with the Catholic League and all that yeah. stuff back yeah. then. But yeah, I mean, that's why. I, I mean, it, it doesn't fit into a. You know, I mean, it doesn't fit. You know, I mean, there's no, there's no. He doesn't fit anywhere plainly. You know, like it's just gonna. In other words, he was kind of you know an individual thinker kind of person. Well, that was kind it, of the point of the whole. Yeah, thing. group think yeah. was like. Yeah, exactly. He that was if anything. Thing. He was again. There was something I saw on uh, I think it was Facebook Reels or Instagram Reels or one of them, and I was, it was Carlin. It was uh, talking about how he doesn't agree with you know just like what you said. He doesn't agree with the left or the right. He goes. He kind of just pulled himself away from humanity, and yeah. he looks at as an outsider. When- I, I really think this species is a foolish failed species that has organized itself poorly and i think this culture in particular leads the way i think we have put property ahead of people we have put competition ahead of cooperation and i don't think the balance can ever be brought back into line really so 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 my attitude is one of i look at the species with pity and wonder a combination of wonder and pity can't believe that they do these things and i really feel sorry for them but i don't identify with them abraham maslow said the really actualized the really successfully actualized self-actualized person does not identify with the local group i don't identify with this country with these religions with this species i really feel like one of the carbon atoms, you know, and just watching the whole thing really? from out at the Oort. We know where the Oort cloud is. The Oort cloud is where the comets gather outside right, the right. orbit of Pluto. And that's a safe vantage point. And I think artistically, it's the safest place because you, I've divorced myself from it. So I'm much freer in my comedy, I think, to say the things I need to say because I don't feel it's going to work. Do you ever wonder if you're going to heaven or hell? That heaven makes or him be able to be more content and write his comedy because he doesn't associate with anything. So that's why I think a lot of people say they do that. I think he really did that, obviously. Yeah. And I think that's why he could come across as being pre-scient or whatever you want to call him. You know, mm. Nostradamus of comedy or whatever the fuck you want to say. Uh, you know, I'll break into mine a little bit because I kind of think about that with mine. So I, my favorite of his was The Planet is Fine which was from Jammin' in New York in 1992, which I've seen taken wrong in a lot of ways, at least the way yeah. I view it. You know, a lot of people, the people who would say they're on the right wing probably take because it sounds very anti-environmental. But I happen to think it's the opposite of that. So that's the one where he said when he wrote that one, that's when he felt like he was a writer. Right. He thought that was his best work. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Thank God for that. Maybe a little styrofoam. Maybe. Little styrofoam. Planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. (laughs) 
a surface nuisance. <laughs> you want to know how the planet's doing? Ask those people at Pompeii who are frozen into position from volcanic ash how the planet's doing. Wonder if the planet's all right? Ask those people in Mexico City or Armenia or a hundred other places buried under thousands of tons of earthquake rubble if they feel like a threat to the planet this week. How about those people in Kilauea, Hawaii, who build their homes right next to an active volcano and then wonder why they have lava in the living room? The planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone, and it will heal itself, it will cleanse itself, because that's what it does. It's a self-correcting system. The air and the water will recover, the earth will be renewed, and if it's true that plastic is not degradable, well, the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm, the earth plus plastic. <laughs> the earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic. Plastic came out of the earth. The earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children. Could be the only reason the earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. <laughs> Didn't know how to make it. Needed us. Could be the answer to our age-old philosophical question, why are we here? Plastic. Assholes. So... So that's the one the where he's looking from Our job a is very, very, you know, out from Pluto, as he said, or what Robert oh, yeah, was saying. That's kind of you. <clears throat> um, because I think it's so much more deeper than a lot of people give it credit for. And it's funny, but, you know, I think what he's saying is uh, it, it basically sounds nice. Like, the you know, let's say let's do the environment. But he's like. It's it's too short sighted. It's it's already done. Like unless you, yeah. I think that's his thing, and that's why you can't put him in a box politically because he's not talking about the orthodoxy. He's talking about behavior. He's saying yeah. humans need to change their behavior between yeah, exactly like recycling is a good like, yeah. you know, or, yeah, and, and I always think that myself. Like I'm like, oh, that sounds nice, but you well, know. he's got that great thing where he says like, you know, people complain about plastic, and he's like. What if that's what God wants? Like, yeah. God, what do you want? He's like, plastic. Might asshole. be the reason we're all here. Plastic <laughs> asshole. Yeah. And the other, I mean, point of it is, and I think what, you know, if you're looking at it from like saying the planet's fine, like saying, he's not saying that there's not global warming or it just means that it might not be inhabitable for us. Right. That doesn't mean the, that doesn't mean the planet's fucked. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? It's like the yeah. planet could yeah, yeah, go yeah. on. It just means that. Yeah, it's, you know, it might not be inhabitable for people. Well, it's pointing out uh, the conceit of humanity that puts yeah, themselves. Yeah, that everything revolves in, around. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he, he said in an interview about that, the one I'm, I'm mentioning, he's just like, humans were given great gifts, you know. And he goes into the, like the rant. He goes, "Fire made us think. We had opposable thumbs, make tools, you know, this and that. Um, but we threw it all away, you know, for what? For stuff." For money, yeah. like some made up, and he said Americans especially threw away their gifts. You know, democratic thought was such an intelligent idea. He goes, yeah, we we started off wrong. We didn't let women vote. We had slavery. He goes, but the idea was there, and yeah. he's like, and it's just it got polluted. Like we just threw it away, and he's he didn't see any, and he said that many times in many things I've I've seen him talk about where he's like. Uh, we're circling the drain, you know. Even if it takes ten thousand years, it's like mm -hmm. we're circling the drain at this point. 
So that was always my favorite because I thought he just had such a balance of humor in that one with, you know, just this, I don't want to say genius, but there was just something so deep about that one for me, like when I thought about it. Jeez, I'm glad we're closing with the air. What's well, that? I actually, actually changed <laughs> the circle. I was going to say, it's like, yeah, and now I'm, we are circling the drain arm. I'm, I'm changing the <laughs> time because I, I still think the airport bit from... We can talk about two if you want. I don't care. I'll just keep No, it. no, I was just kidding. Yeah, no, if funny. I can get four the... parts out of this, it'd be great. <laughs> well, I had to change it for one, well two reasons. One, because it's my second favorite bit. And two, on my show, the Front Face Like Podcast, anger.fm slash Front Face Like Podcast, we do a bit based on free-floating hostility. This material is real simple. It's called free-floating hostility. 24 minor cultural items I'm bored with, tired of, People and pissed at. People quote marks in the air with their fingers. Bad hair day. What a superficial culture. Put on a hat and go to work, you shallow cunt. Another crime against society. Hyphenated name. Hey, lady, pick a fucking name, would you please? Getting pretty tired of these guys walking around in cowboy hats and cowboy boots. You ever see these jack-offs? Can't we kill some and of these motherfuckers? Everywhere you go now, there's some dick, some yo-yo, some putts with a camcorder, and he is going to tape everything. Look at things anymore. Maybe even <laughs> remember them. And do people really watch this? Shit? Are people's lives so bankrupt they sit at home looking at things they already did? <laughs> The baby boomers. Whiny, narcissistic, self-indulgent people with a simple philosophy. Give me it, it's mine! These people were given everything. Everything was handed to them. And they took it all. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and they stayed loaded for 20 years and had a free ride. But now they're staring down the barrel of middle-aged burnout, and they don't like it. They turn self-righteous, and they want to make things hard on younger people. Yes. We, like, we named sex. a segment on our show, Free Floating Hostility, because we were kind of doing that when we first started the show, and then it became more and more part of it. And then I was just like, so I may actually... Now it is the show. Before. Now it is the show, pretty much. Um, the airport one is is still like, the, you know, who gets a shit? Who turned it on? Oh. God, isn't it? <laughs> like, that is just one of... Uh, I watch that every time before I fly anywhere, which I don't like to do. But, like, I just, you know, that has some of the best lines. But the free-floating hostility I love so much because it's so random. Like, what do you, he's just talking, he's like... 24 hair, like, things that drive him crazy. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what it was, right? Like... There's 24 minor inconveniences <laughs> or something that pissed at and annoyed with. He goes, I don't have minor, whatever. I forget the, the exact way he puts it. I have major fucking psychotic issues or something. <laughs> and he's when he's like, you know, uh, undisputed heavyweight champion. If it's undisputed, what's all the fighting about? <laughs> like, that's 99. 90, no, uh, back in town is 96. Oh, you're talking about, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about the airport one again. Yeah, you're right. The airport uh, one is 92. Is that's jamming in New York. But yeah, flying on the airlines with the safety lecture. That's 92 at jamming in New York. 95 or 96 is back in town, which has the free-floating hostility. Right. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking that one was 99. There's another one about airports at Complaints and Grievances, I think it was. Or yeah. There's an airport security on you are all diseased. That's it. Yeah. And that's that is, 99? That is 99, yeah. Yeah, it's the one I was thinking of. I always mix up uh, that and plates and grievances. grievances. Yeah, it's two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. The, the other one I had was the one from Jamming in New York, where he talks about flying on the airplane and the safety lecture, and the stewardess is telling you about how to use a seatbelt. That oh, one's funny. Yeah, I forgot about that one actually when I found this one. That one though, the one that I thought was two years before nine eleven. It's he says some things in there that are like, oh shit, when you look back at yeah. it. Well, if they put an album out, and I have it, 
where it was this set like September 10th in Las Vegas. Or something. Well, that's that's the one. He, uh, I mean, complaints and grievances. A lot of it's from that, but I know he had to yeah. cut some of that out because it was. And he, he got in trouble for that anyway. That one was <laughs> supposed to be called "I Like When a Lot of People Die,", die and yeah. he had a skit called "I Like When a Lot of People Die." <laughs> On really? September tenth, I, I never heard that. Yeah, oh, I have it on well, vinyl. Yeah, they had there's a vinyl, but it's it's just him kind of yeah. like talking it through. I heard he destroyed any of those tapes though. Oh, they really? recorded that special or something, and then he said this can never see the light of day. Yeah, I did read that like the end of Jamming in New York when he's talking about the bodies and the falling from the building. He apologized for that. Yes, he did. But it's funny. The one I was talking about it reminded me. <laughs> Did you ever see the Louis C.K. thing when he talked about getting stopped by airport security? Maybe. It's not long, but it was so funny. He was getting on an airplane, and he said he bought clay. He's like, I don't know. I bought it for my kids, or he did something. I don't know. So anyway, it was in his bag, and he goes through security, and they go through, and they go, what is this? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's clay. They're like, well, you're, you're not allowed to have it. And he's like, oh, okay. Then that's fine. Just take it. He goes, and then she takes it and throws it in the garbage. And he's like, now, lady, that's either a bomb or it's not. Like, it can't be. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. You just thought it was clay and we're fucking yeah, with him. Yeah, he's like, yeah. it's a bomb or it's not. <laughs> like, if you could throw it in the garbage, I could get on the airplane with it. You that's still funny. have the funniest line ever said on an airplane, Jason Burke. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh boy! What Did he was still it? be prosecuted for this? Nah, I don't think because actually this new law—it was all yeah. This was pre two thousand one. Yeah, it was, it was two thousand, and it was a joke. So there was you, you know, and you, there's no proof that you actually said it. But when they, when you were putting your bag up in the overhead compartment and you said, this. "Don't shake it too hard because it'll mix." <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Don't mix the components. <laughs> and then when we were landing, you're like, it's not over. A plane could still <laughs> land on us. <laughs> yeah. I do. Oh. And then like six months later, that happened. <laughs> not only that, but like the two of you were like, oh, I'm like clutching the damn seat the whole time. And then Ryan looks at me and goes, there's something on the wing. Some things. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, you guys are having a great time. Doing a William <laughs> Shatner. I've never been afraid on an airplane. It's funny. I remember you uh, have to get like pissed drunk. Sean. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was, that's me now, too. Yeah. Are you like scared to go on an airplane or are you just like to get pissed like drunk? I don't like scared on the airplane. I'm, I'm scared if the airplane crashes. <laughs> well, I figure I'm not going to make it. Yeah, yeah. But I figure like I don't want to. I don't like height. I don't want to get sucked out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, that kind of worries me. I don't know. It's like, I don't like the feeling of taking off because it feels like a roller coaster. And then you get like a roller coaster, you kind of go up and then you wait for that drop. And so I'm kind of like always like on the edge, like waiting for that. It's like, no, we're still going. Still going. We're still going. So that kind of, that kind of freaks me out a little. I don't like also putting my life in somebody else's hands. Like if I'm driving my car, I feel that's safer because for many reasons, one, I'm in control. Two, I could see everything around me. Three, there's a truck in front of you. That <laughs> um, I almost died today. Um, but if I get into an accident, I don't drop 30,000 feet after. Yeah. I do remember. I, I remember thinking we're on that flight like it was funny to freak Sean out a little more. Remember, remember the pilot kept saying we're heading into Los Angeles. And yeah, he kept saying Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. We were I like, mean, huh? And the movie was called Gone in 60 Seconds. Like, oh come on. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. 
So there was a lot of red flags on that. Because yeah, I didn't sleep the whole, because we took the red eye back and I didn't sleep because I had class at eight o'clock in the morning and I go, didn't sleep, got home, changed real quick, went to class and it was canceled. <laughs> so I, was like, I oh, remember great. that actually. Yeah. Well, and that sure. ties into Carlin because he does a whole thing on flying. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Way to rope it back in. Yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> thank God, because I didn't know where that was going to go, but I actually was, I had a story I didn't know if I want to tell or not anyway. Uh-oh. Oh, you, you got to tell it now. And this is when I was really, uh, probably like 11. Actually, didn't we go to Disney once together? Like our, we yeah. Met, uh, yeah, we were like 13 or 14, something like that. Yeah, it might have been then. I, it was one of the times I went. So um, I'm on the flight. I'm sitting next to my dad and like, you know, you're on vacation. So sometimes your bathroom schedule gets messed up, right? <laughs> so. I was like, oh, man, it's my moment. I can't believe I'm fucking talking about this. You know, I'm, I'm doing fucking things on People debt will listen stuff, because they, they know you're real. They want to yeah, know you're a real person. Yeah. Today. <laughs> I'm not just about debt and fucking <laughs> nuclear arms and shit like that. My bathroom breaks. I poop, too. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So anyway, like, I'm like, all right, let me I go. I go back there. I go to the bathroom. And um, it was like. Uh, it was it was a full man because you know I probably hadn't went for days. It was it was it was a huge mass I left. Okay. Okay. And I go to flush it and nothing happens. Oh nice. And I'm like flushing it, flushing it. How far into the flight were you at this point? We it just took off. Yeah, it just <laughs> took off. So they got to think we still had like flight. half the flight left. <laughs> but I'm sitting in the back next to my dad and I come out and we're pretty close to the bathroom and I'm like can't flush the toilet. It's not working. So my dad's like, yeah, whatever. I'll go back there and whatever. He comes out. He goes, it's not working. He's like, that was fucking huge, by the way. What the fuck? Goes, yeah, you okay? What are you eating? <laughs> but, but it was, we were in turbulence. So oh, man, nothing. probably going up. Yeah, so nothing <laughs> worked. Oh, but man. I remember I could just keep seeing people like open the door and be like, oh, my God. Oh, and close it. Yeah, it was. It was and my dad and just. You have to go out. get like one of the flight attendants and be like. Um, excuse me. The, uh, no, nobody. I, just, flush. I pretend I had like, n- nothing to do with it. Oh, you had nothing to do with I it? Just, yeah, I just watched people who were like, yeah. some grown man must have done yeah. this. Just left this bearing. Yeah, it's so, better that you didn't get the flight attendant. And then she just goes, oh, no problem. Let me just help you out. Oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> How old are you? Like, the captain's like, I'm, we have to make a boy. Yeah. Did you eat another boy? <laughs> Did you eat your twin? <laughs> There's a seat empty next to you. <sighs> anyway, uh, what was and that? She'd be going before? up and down the aisles the whole time, just looking at you kind of funny. Thank God. Yeah. No, I'm so not I'm dropping any more peanuts off this guy. Anyway, yeah, Carlin had a whole bit on, on stuff. You don't want to talk more he about He talked about shit. You st- <laughs> he says in that bit you love, I took a three and a half hour shit. <laughs> right. Now, it wasn't three and a half hours. It was, it was much quicker. No, that would have been the whole flight. Then you would have had no problem whatsoever. Mm. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I know there's a grown man in there because just stepping up the bat for round two here. <laughs> oh my god. So Carlin does oh, yeah, right. one of my favorite bits. When I say because he had so a lot of his stuff he did was real quick stuff. And when he was talking about being an old fuck in uh <laughs> Oh yeah, that was good too. It's bad for you, and he's like well, 69 was always my favorite number. Now I figure I'm 69 with one finger up my ass. But now that I'm an old fuck, 
Old fuck is a very special term. It's not like old man. Old man is different. Old man isn't really a time in your life or a period of years. It's an attitude. Old man is a point of view. It's a way of looking at things. Some guys are old men when they're in their 20s. Not me. Not an old man and not an old fart. Because an old fart is kind of... <laughs> what I am is an old fuck. In this respect, fuck is actually a synonym for the word fellow. But now that I'm an old fuck, I'm beginning to notice there's some advantages to putting on a few extra years. The first one is, you never have to carry anything heavy ever again. Everybody wants to help an old fuck. If you've got a big suitcase or something like that, you know, you just kind of go like this a little bit. You say, yeah, could you help me with this? And yeah, hey, how far are you going? Indianapolis. He wants to help fuck him, put him to work. Another nice thing about getting old is you can leave any social event early just by saying you're tired. <laughs> Works great with family members. Just turn to the person next to you and say, geez, I'm getting tired, you know? Oh, you're tired? Come on, Grandpa's tired. Grandpa's going to bed. Someone else says, but it's 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> There's always one asshole in the family. Or whatever you said, I'm misquoting. No, that was actually pretty, pretty guy here. You know what's funny, though, when I watch, especially for doing this, watching these specials, how quickly he ages between, yeah. like, 2001 and the end. Like He just, yeah. he ages, like, 15 years, you know? Yeah, because like, that last one, he was, he looked, I was watching some of the clips last night, and it was like, hey, he was, he was only seven. Yeah. Or 71, yeah. maybe, yeah. And it was like, he, he did kind of. They had heart surgery and all that. I know that Kelly Carlin, his daughter, had said that before he filmed It's Bad For You, he was in really bad shape, like really terrible shape. And she said that he was to the point where she's like, I don't know how he's going to go out there and do this. Wow. And then he went out there and he, you know, but I guess he Came was. Yeah. That's why he's a goat. That's why he's a goat. Yeah. But you know what? It probably was like David Bowie did his last album. Yeah, and then he died like right after like it came. Yeah, out. I was really surprised. I remember getting the text that he died. He's like, "R.I.P. Carlin." I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here!" I'm like, he just put a special out like a month ago, whatever the hell it was. No you can tell he how he's do walking this. around the stage like this. Yeah. Once he used to walk back and forth, and he would do like a lot of. He was very animated. And that one, it was just a lot of standing in one place. That's true. Huh? Yeah, you're right. And I, you know, I was thinking that before that nobody talks about how animated he was. That was one thing that's uh, yeah. He did a good mix of, you know, he was cerebral, but he also, like, we were just, we were talking about, you know, because we haven't stopped this episode, we were talking about uh, before, that he was very silly, but, you know, a lot of that came with the expressions, and yeah, he, he really, like, tended to use everything in his arsenal at that point. Yeah, he sold the bits, too, like, with the facial expressions yeah, and shit like yeah. that, which and that a lot was, of comics don't do, yeah. But that was very tied into his early stuff, the black and white stuff, when like the pre-Hippy Dippy Weatherman when he was still wearing suits. Mm -hmm. Like he was very animated doing that stuff with the facial expressions. Yeah. And then he kind of went the Hippy Dippy thing and the seven deadly words or whatever. 
And then he kind of combined everything and then added this anger on top of it. And it was just like, that was just like this perfect combination. I'm, I sound so smart on your show, Jay. Yeah, man, really. It's, yeah. I'm talk, this guy? You guys make me stupid and I make you guys sound smart because I'm talking about taking shits on planes. Yeah. God, Jay, it's low, bro. It's really good on my show. Seven, that's what we did, seven episodes ago, I was talking about the fate of fucking humanity. And yeah, now. I was going to say, when the guy comes on to talk about the debt crisis, you're talking about your shit then? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you bring up debt yeah, crisis. The, guy, the guy's like this. All right, Jay, let's say the economy's a big what? shit that you took. Let's, let's compare it to, like, you know, some people, like, when you, when your bank account is full, he goes, but then you take that shit, and now it's your stomach's empty. That's like your bank account on after but Sometimes it. you have debt, which is like when the toilet doesn't <laughs> flush, so it's just sitting there, and you got to get rid of it. And let's say, like, you know, the federal stimulus is a burrito with extra <laughs> hot sauce. There you go, Jay. That's how it works. Yeah. We can be political, too. Yeah. See? I'm smart, not like people think. <laughs> you know You know what I was thinking about? Because we were talking about heirs to him. And mm. I realized that it might be unfair to do that because, like, not everybody's story's written yet. Well, that's true, too. Cause I'm, but but if, I, if I may cut you off, I'm sorry because this is your show. No, that's all right. Carlin, it's the guests who truly take top billing. That's true. That is in your tagline. <laughs> Though the show is called the With Jay Burke Show, and exactly. I am the host. It's so the you're technically the host. Based. It's, it's you, the With. You could end this whenever the fuck you want. <laughs> Carlin. <laughs> That's why I've been sitting here for two weeks. You won't end it. <laughs> Let me go, Ryan. <laughs> Carlin <laughs> cemented his place as the greatest while he was still alive and his story quote unquote wasn't written yeah so well yeah that's true because i mean after i i'd even say back in town he, you know at that point it's already been like all right now carlin's got a new special we have to watch it to see what he has to say yeah i agree with that but i also think it's kind of like rock and roll or it's like it was still being invented while it was going on, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. you know, stand-up was vaudeville, and then stand-up was, I guess, you know, the radio shows where they'd have people do comedy, and then the, the stand-up, you know, whatever, the Ed Sullivan show, and then there was clubs with different, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was like, it was kind of a, I mean, he, but he was the only one, or he one of the only ones who really stayed on top of the wave most of the time. Yeah, I mean, like, look at the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, uh -oh. you know, been around, what is it? Oh, God, it's been fucking... At 10, 70. 15 years? Yeah, that, <laughs> they're gonna make, they're gonna be big stars one day. This guy's gonna make like, it. By the 80s, they'd already done their one or two disco albums. Now they're more into pop, like Start Me Up. But it's like when the Stones released an album, people bought it because they wanted to hear it because they were, like Sean said, on top of the wave or whatever, ahead of the curve. So, But they'd already cemented their place in history. Yeah. So yeah but I mean, like, but like rock and roll was kind of like nobody knew what you did 40 years in. Nobody knew what you did 50 years in because nobody did it for it. Like, you know, yeah, all they, that they came before them were dead. Well, yeah. that's what well, I'm saying. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm like, I mean, because now everybody who's around now is already, everything's already established. You know what I mean? It's like you do the hour special, you do the comedy album, or you, or you do well, whatever. It's you like do. what they say that, you know, you're never going to write a new song because every song is now a variation yeah. of a song that's already been written. Yeah, yeah but that's like old people say that. We're like, I'm you know, old, up yeah, but you know, we're old, like, we, I mean, we happen mm -hmm. to be into a different type of music in high school, but I think it's interesting now being older. You know, rock and roll, like Sean said, and you're saying it, it evolved, but a template was written. It, it must have been interesting if you were like into rap 
because rap yeah. came out and it didn't have like a heyday. Like we could always look to like Elvis to to the Beatles to the Stones to you know Led Zeppelin and whoever you want to throw in there. You Unless know. you look at rap like when we were growing up. It's brand new when it's when we're growing. Yeah, up. but it was. I mean, it was like some of it was like silly, fun. Sh- you know, you had like I enjoy the old school it. rap now. Yeah, but there was also some like heavier stuff. You know, like you know, it depended on what, what city it was from, stuff like that. And then at some point in like when it did get stepped, like you know, I, I guess like mid to late nineties, really got like that whole formula of you know you either sample a chorus or you have a woman singing a chorus and yeah. then somebody raps over a sample, and that's kind of what it was. And it's kind of, I mean, a lot, not all of it. I, I think there's some cool shit out there now yeah. because there's more of it, but not anything that's on the fucking radio. And I mean, it's the same thing with rock, really. It, it just kind of devoured itself. You know, it like went through its like 70s, I guess like in the 2000s. I mean, to me, I mean, I'm not a aficionado by any. It went through like its glam, like 70s gaudy period where everything was extravagant and the production was like insane, but it was the same shit over and over again. Yeah. I don't know. I just think things get formulaic. I, I mean, even with comedy, to bring it back to comedy, like what Ryan was saying. You know, it was Carlin and Pryor were kind of inventing it while it was going on. You know what I mean? Like, as far as, you know, like, what comedians do, as far as, you know, what to talk about on stage or stay on top of that. I mean, like, you know, he had Lenny Bruce to a point, too, but that kind of went down to flames. Yeah, and then, it went down, yeah. I mean, it was, like, where it was literally just being self-obsessed to the point of, like, you know, what the fuck am I doing here watching this guy talk about court cases? Yeah, so, like, I agree. Like, yeah, they but they defined it while it was going on. You're right. It's like, you can't say somebody's going to be the next this because it's like well starting at a different carlin had a lot of like that classic entertainment background too he wanted to be danny k you know what yeah. i mean like it wasn't like you know he was looking up to other stand-up and it's, um, it's funny to, to expand on your point mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I won't use the words i'll use the initials because it, it, it was something i actually just watched on youtube when i fell into the youtube rabbit hole recently <laughs> yeah. uh dustin hoffman played lenny bruce in a movie and there's the uh are there any ends here and he, and he goes off and he starts using all these racial terms. And like what? You know, he, right? he, like what? <laughs> what terms? Literally <laughs> into the mic, please. <laughs> but um, he, he starts using all these racial terms. Are there any this here? Are there any that here? And then he makes the point that he's saying it so that it softens the blow prior to a similar bit. And then Carlin did a similar bit. And then actually Louis C.K. and Doug Stanhope did similar bits. Yeah. So the groundwork is laid. Yeah. And then just kind of expanded on it, and they did their own variations of it. But there's not many more variations that can be done right. with what has already been done. But I wonder if we say that. I wonder if, like, in the fifties, when Elvis was doing stuff, like they were like, "Well, this is the devil's music, and you can't, well, you know, not, not much more can happen after this." I always wonder that. Yeah, how that. No, I'm how sure they thought somebody, that was the feeling. Yeah, yeah. The, I'm sure, somebody will come up with something. Well, life going, changes. Life is different than it was 15 years ago, than it was 10 years ago, than it was five years ago. Yeah. So yeah. we all have different perspectives on it. You know, I mean, the, the baseline stuff is relatable. That's why you can watch Carlin stuff now, and it's still funny, because the most human stuff is relatable. Yeah. yeah. Which is why we, I think we were talking about it earlier in the show, weeks ago, um, that the fact that he wasn't, like, calling out specific politicians or whatever stuff he, that made he, it more... What, what am I doing yeah. in New Jersey? He does call out the Reagan administration. He calls out but, the administration as a yeah. whole, though, and as a... But he does it specifically, so you can actually look that information up. That's true. I know we yeah. talked earlier in the show, uh, when Mar does it, it's very, like, specific to a specific person. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's and like, then it oh. jumps around to another one and then another one. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, to bring it to music for a second, 
when Megadeth released Euthanasia, which was one of my favorite albums by them, there was an interview with Dave uh, Mustaine where he said, you know, I've always done stuff about politics. And he goes, that can be very dated sometimes. So I'm, I did this album about human emotion. But then, of course, two albums later, it goes right back to the politics. But what he knew, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, but th- like that album was so different from everything else because he did it as a human emotion thing. And the songs are fantastic. And it's very like, well, I think Megadeth's better than Metallica in many ways. Up, It was like he kind of hit that Metallica chord with it where you listen to a Metallica song and everything's relatable in those songs. He, then, But then he went back to what he knows, like you said, with the politics. But that's the same thing as Marvers, Carlin. Like there's the relatable stuff and then there's the specific stuff. Yeah. A little bit of everything. If, if that makes sense. I'm rambling, but I don't know if that makes sense. No, I know sense. what you mean, yeah. I think taking that stand where he wasn't a part of it is just different than anybody else. And and uh-huh. he said that, too. Like, a lot of comics talk about hope, and they talk about yeah. specific politicians. And he's like, he always comes back to the human being and the interaction between humans. You know, it's almost like a, like a sociological study in a sense. Like he, he's he's talking about human behavior, and that's why he's always like it'll never change. And I think that's why he was right because the base of everything we've done the last few hundred years, we really getting deep in this one. Yeah, yeah. People are going to be turned off now. They're going to be like, oh, wow. mean like later in this episode. Yeah. Yes. Now, the base of what we do, you know, there's there's one he's talking about that when he talks about our differences, he says, because they all do the same thing in in society. Right. They play you against each other racially through sex. In this country are differences. That's all the media and the politicians are ever talking about the things that separate us, things that make us different from one another. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They try to divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. Fairly simple thing happens to work. You know anything different, that's what they're going to talk about. Race, religion, ethnic and national background, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality, anything they can do, keep us fighting with each other so that they can keep going to the bank. You know how I describe the economic and social classes in this country? The upper class keeps all of the money, pays none of the taxes. The middle class pays all of the taxes, does all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. Keep them through money, through anything, shot. right? It, it, but it's always worked throughout history. Yeah. It just takes different forms. He's talking about a base human emotion. When you're talking about a specific timeline or whatever specific events and that's you know the interesting thing in history is you see like everything's kind of repeating itself in this weird fucking way it's just like you know maybe we're more technologically advanced but our brain hasn't fucking got there no you know he, he does that great bit in uh you were all diseased and i don't remember the whole thing i just remember when he's talking about uh phrases about different races and he says you know, people describe black people and they would say they happen to be black. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, that. oh, but their, their parents were black? Yes. Oh, yes, indeed they were. And they find uh-huh. oh, so yes, indeed they did. <laughs> so wouldn't it be we- and weird if he happened to be Scandinavian? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, you can't say that about anything else. And he goes, and let maybe gay people. He's like, but you can't, you know. And, and like, I hear people say that to this, or they go, oh, my, well, I have this friend. He happens to be black. It's like, mm. yeah. That's, well, they that's do that. You're one. right, because it's like, 
sometimes even when I hear the explanation of a person, right? Like, oh, my friend who's gay, you know, like they have to throw that in there and it's like, yeah, okay, this must be relevant to the story. (laughs) It's not relevant (laughs) whatsoever. It's just like, no, could have been anything. You know, my friend who's black. Yeah, it's, it's always uh-huh. like that. My Mexican friend. And I'm not like, saying that because I'm not racist. I'm not saying this like, is a racist. Okay. You know, <laughs> I always think when I hear that, I'm like, what's going to be the relevancy of that to this story? And it's usually like not anything to do I've with never it. Never any relevance whatsoever. Yeah. You're right with that. Oh, you know what I was going to say was to tie it back to me. I like that we're tying this with music. When I think about now, I think we're in a time where we've kind of corporatized everything, whether it's the comedy or music at this point like the bean counters figured out how to do it and i feel like we were kind of like that in the 80s too and that's when you know like rap and then like all the grunge stuff came out and and even you know culturally like the movies and stuff in the 90s are totally different but we were talking i guess about cycles and stuff like that and i think it would have been interesting to see him in this cycle now yeah Uh, it is commoditized at this point, everything. We're talking about all the specials that everybody has. It sounds fucked up. I'm kind of glad he's not around. Two reasons. One, maybe he starts taking an opinion that we don't agree with, and then all of a sudden it ruins it. Ruins it. <laughs> yeah. And B, like, you know, it's that whole, maybe he's just, you know, Doug Stanhope thing. Maybe he's just out of shit. Yeah. If he had more specials after It's Bad For You, maybe they suck. <laughs> maybe he's just not good anymore. And maybe he's just getting too political or too angry or to this or to that so it's kind of good that he he ended it on a high note he did yeah but with comedy like you're saying i think the same thing happening to comedy today is the same thing that happened to music in the 80s and the 90s especially with grunge where you know if you watch that documentary hype is that that what it's called hype oh i saw yeah yeah where it's like they said as soon as like nirvana soundgarden alice james and pearl jam got signed every single grunge band from Seattle got signed. People moved and, to Seattle just yeah. to yeah. be a, a grunge band and get signed from Seattle. Yeah, and then if you turn on Netflix, there's 50 comedy specials mm-hmm. from people you've never heard of because they do comedy and they might tell one funny joke and then all of a sudden they have a special on Netflix. I look at the 90s too, like when every comedian got a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was like Raymond and Seinfeld. They're going to catch the next one of those. And, you know, most of them sucked. Yeah, and you know, it was the funny thing is a lot of those guys weren't trying to be comedians; they just wanted to be actors, and they figured that was the fastest way to get a sitcom deal. Not unlike the shitty bands that probably went to Seattle to try to get a record deal because they figured they'd get called grunge, and you know, yeah, you know, you make a couple quick bucks, I guess, but in the long run, I mean, nobody remembers that shit. Uh, speaking of yeah. comedians who wanted to be actors and then getting into Carlin, I saw um, I was watching a YouTube clip of uh, Tom Segura's podcast. Yeah. About, um, he had Kevin Smith on, and they were talking about Carlin. All right. And uh, he was saying how Kevin Smith was like, you know, he was he was really, like, cool. He's like, he's kind of like you. Like, he didn't just have to be on, like, because he was a comedian all the time. Like, he just liked the bullshit. Like, you know, sometimes he was funny, and sometimes he just talked whatever. And, he, and it, but Tom Segura said, actually, he wanted to be an actor. And then somebody all said right. he was funny and, like, you should try out comedy or whatever. And that's what he did. But... Um, he, it was interesting. He said that he was a great talker, Carlin, just in general about bullshit. You know, he said he would have been great in the age of the podcast. Yeah, you know, would have been interesting. I, it's funny. Mitch Hedberg has that great line where he goes, "You do comedy, and they want you to do other things. They want you to write, and they want you to act." 
<laughs> he goes, it's like being a chef, and they go, oh, you cook. That's cool. Can you farm? It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of true. It like Colin started off as a radio guy too. So yeah, yeah. That's a lot of a lot of stuff these days, right? It's like you know, I've, I've had that guy Danny on a few times, and I went on his <laughs> show. And we we're like talking about how now everybody and their mother has a podcast and it's like yeah. can you just like be a fucking actor like and start like let let us try it <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like, can you give us some fucking room like they do everything now you know they, they, they're musicians they're actors they're voice actors i think people use it as their own pr if you're a touring comic you don't need a podcast on top of that no yeah. the old Marins was successful that's pretty much yeah. yeah, I mean, a couple other ones I broke Rogan, out. I guess I have a, you could count. Yeah, Rogan. Yeah, that's true. I was, yeah, Rogan's actually probably more successful than Baron. But if you watch old Tonight Show clips, there's occasions where, like, uh, I I don't know if I said this earlier in the show. There was a clip with Pryor talking about Johnny Carson about like something in the news from the. It was just kind of on bullshitting about what was going on and stuff, and it was just like that was it. He was just a guest on the show. Yeah, and yeah. that they just were kind of shooting shit, and that whole thing is still regimented now where you're on. You know, I mean, even if you're a comedian, I mean, you get two and a half, three minutes, you come on and maybe you talk to the host for a minute or, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, it's all if you're trying to promote branded, your shit, it's probably yeah. easier to do it as or go and on podcast. I remember listening to Stern years ago when he talked about it was Drew Barrymore was on uh, Letterman. I don't know why I remember this. He said he goes, oh, yeah, Drew Barrymore was on Letterman last night and she kept bringing up Kraft Singles cheese. And he goes, she's getting paid to bring up Kraft Singles Every cheese. She says it, right? Mm. Yeah, so it's like it happens on every show. Every time you go on a talk show now, if you're plugging your movie, your book, or whatever, he goes. Then you also have to bring up a brand because somebody reaches out to you and they say, "Make sure you integrate our brand into uh. your story." I saw a clip of Pryor and Carlin on the Tonight Show, and it's pretty much just Carlin and Pryor going back and forth. You watch like the old Don Rickles and Ronnie Dangerfield, and they're they're not promoting anything uh. on there. Robin Williams is going off and running into the audience doing improv for six minutes and you know I mean like that was just what it was it was just to be entertaining now they have a bit that they're going to put on the internet you know with uh, Fallon it's going to be they're going to jam the news or something or whatever the fuck and then you know that's going to be on the internet because that's all they give a shit about now anyways I don't know it's just boring shit the last interesting I mean I love Letterman but the last interesting show was uh, Fergus because he was just fucking weird yeah yeah as far as the main ones go i mean obviously eric andre and all that shit's fucking bad shit i love it i'm between two ferns between two yeah <laughs> there's so many outlets though i mean i see a lot of these guys now just on youtube and tiktok becoming like i won't support anybody that's an internet star but i see these comedians that are just like including oh, jay oh, burke <laughs> including jay burke well i'm i'm saying i see them doing bits comedians who were on stage stand doing yeah. stand-up or crowd work i see a lot of crowd work now is, is like the new yeah well, it's all plants like that matt rife guy that's the new that's who thing. i'm thinking about yeah that's it's all plants he's planting really people. i don't even know who he is he's uh, sucks <laughs> don't even bother he's he's garbage he's uh he's he's a lot of women like him that's that's the big thing that's what he gets quote unquote good looking but he did, oh I love his crowd work and me and Vinny just talked about this last week you know Hicks used to talk about it and Stan Hope used to talk about it you know if somebody heckles you or somebody says something you have your set routine in the back yeah. of your head and you just repeat it over and over and over again it's not crowd work they're, they're, it's set up what about this, like Stavros you ever see him I've heard of him he used uh, to do I, he's really funny Stavros Hulk 
Geass or something. He used to have a podcast called. I have seen this guy before, yeah. But I think he's funny. He works the crowd. I guess you could do that forever. I just yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the other thing. I mean, you know, it's entertainment. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, that's what it's supposed to be. Not everybody has to be a fucking uh, prophet, you know. They yeah, can, well, they, that's that's the thing too. It's like you can just be entertaining and go out and spend twenty five bucks and fucking be entertained. I love yeah. going to see Colin Coiner. Funny guys, they're just funny. I mean, Brian Regan's one of my favorites, and it seems like a lot of the comedians are trying to be shocking to be shocking now, like Anthony Jesson, like Amy Schumer, Whitney Cummings. Fucking, I don't him. find that funny, and I don't think they're I don't think they're good. But then you got a guy like Pete Holmes or Brian Regan. Oh, Holmes is great. Yeah. Oh yeah, or even Stephen Wright, who paved the way for Dimitri Martin and Mitch Hedberg. That yeah. weren't shocking. They just told. They just tell jokes, or they tell stories. Yeah, and, and storytelling jokes are some of the best ones. Well, you I know, like, Pete Holmes okay. has some very, very. I don't want to say Carlin esque angles, but he he has like a very deep worldview. He yeah, has that like he gets silly. Like he kind of disarms you with the that. fucking yeah. dog on the yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. saw that. Right. And he just runs away. But he also has this skit where he like he's talking about religion, like it's either wrong or it's either right. I'm not I'm it, I'm not afraid of nothing because you know if I die and there's nothing, well there's nothing. Nothing makes fucking sense. Life makes no sense. You're on a planet right now. You think you're in America? Zoom out. <laughs> you're on a space rock floating in nothingness, infinite nothingness, and the infinite nothingness is expanding. That means endlessness is getting bigger. That makes no fucking sense. <laughs> we all just act like it's normal. Like, oh, we're, everything's made of molecules. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I'll never think about that again. I'm made of molecules. You're made of molecules. The air between us, it's all made of molecules. That makes no fucking sense. These molecules know they're molecules. These molecules are like, oh, I'm Pete. That doesn't make any sense. This stool is made of molecules, the same molecules in my hand. In fact, some of the molecules in this stool went into me while I've been talking. And some that were me have gone into this stool. And you know when I knock these molecules into these molecules, when we ask science, why don't they go through each other? You know what the answer is? We don't know. <laughs> That's one of my favorites like from him. I agree with you. He has that same, like, silly and deep. And then you got Brian Regan, who's just silly. Yeah. And he's just as funny, if not funnier, than half the comedians out there. Because he's just telling stupid stories. Right. And then you got somebody like Stephen Wright, or Mitch Hedberg and Demetri Martin to an extent, where you're just telling one-liner jokes. And it's it's funny. But then you got somebody like Jim Jeffries... Who the one of his last specials uh, was the whole special. I don't know if you saw it. It was the whole special was him talking about being on a date and having to take a shit. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. It, the whole he starts off by talking about being on this date, and I guess he had uh, Crohn's or IBS or something. And the whole the whole thing is him telling this story, but he keeps going off on tangents. Yeah. Then bringing it back to the story. That's fine. And it's it's so insane, and it's just crazy. Yeah. That one's on Netflix. You got to watch it. All right. So when before I was saying our story isn't written, or their story isn't written, and and the reason I thought that was, did you see Mulaney's last special? Yeah. Oh, but that was when he was talking about the 
rehab, right? Yeah, I'm just it was just such a stark difference. And he's always been funny, I think anyway. But Yeah, I, no, I like him. I, I love it. It was just so, so different than what he did. You know, it was more like an admission. Yeah. It almost felt like it was one of his steps, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or whatever. But he, but he made it funny. Well, I apologize for beginning the show on such a dark note. <laughs> but I didn't want to start way too upbeat, you know? I've had a weird couple years. You've had a weird couple years. I didn't want to come out all phony, you know? Be like, ba 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 hey, Boston, it's time to laugh. Raise up your smiles, lower those masks. You know what I mean, we all quarantined. We all went to rehab and we all got divorced and now our reputation is different. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think if you, if you make it personal about yourself, there's always it's always going to be a little different. That's why it's like it could be the same vein as somebody else but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be you know the same perspective or the same punch yeah exactly so i mean that's why i think it'll always evolve and this is i mean like you know i mean even the ones we're talking about now i mean i like this kyle from kate i think is funny uh jordan jensen mm-hmm. does a lot of crowd work she's really funny i mean uh there's always people out there that are just like you know when you see clips of them it's like who the fuck is this you know i mean for me at least always it's always going to be that so yeah you know, is that going to be the next Carlin? I don't know. Who the fuck cares? We already have Carlin. Either, either well, that's first the other one, too. I guess it doesn't yeah. really matter, right? It's like, yeah. there's just, that's, there's never that's a That's a marketing thing. That's, who's going to be the next Beatles? Who's going to be the next Jordan? Who's going to be the next? Nobody's going to be the next that. It's going to be something else, the first something else. Yeah. be that. I know, like Ryan's point before, you know, when he says, like, I don't, I don't mean it to come off this way, but I'm glad he's not around. It's like, I kind of feel uh-huh. like that about, Bands, you know, like uh, yeah. I think you said this on your podcast, Ryan. Like, if the Beatles came back, it, it wouldn't. It, it would fuck it up. It would like fuck yeah. up their legacy, right? Like, if they came back in 1981, all of a sudden, you know, because the miss, yeah, the legacy was that they fucking stopped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they was, they could have ran out six more albums and fucking they could have sucked. Yeah, they could have yeah. ran it into the ground and yeah. That was it. But yeah, I mean, there's gonna be people always, no matter what the. Whatever it is, it's going to be like, oh, the early stuff was better. Or the early stuff. So when you have somebody that's gone, it's like the appeal of it is more that they, they can't say anything else. You know, you like you know what they said on everything because it's all there now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or the, what they did on this or what they, you know, in other words, like, we know what the Beatles output. You know what Carlin said about this. We know what, yeah. whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? So in other words, there's nothing else to really taint it unless you find, you know, tapes of Paul McCartney going off on a racist tirade or something, you know, you're, you should be okay. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Do I have anything else to milk out of this? Don't I don't know. know. It's been two hours, you know. Yeah. I think well, and you got half a Beatles show out of it, too. <laughs> I did. Jake, can I say how handsome you are with your little beard? Oh, thank you. A little condescending <laughs> with the little beard thing. Yeah, it was horrible. I, like, it was like a little, little fucking condescending, but that's okay. That's why I'm glad I get to edit this. There's going to be a lot of editing where it's like I say something and the question's going to be edited. And like, <laughs> what do you think about the black man? I'm like, fuck those people. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, Ryan McGann likes to say a lot of things. <laughs> Just a little disclaimer here. Ryan McGann. I'm going to rework the opening that like in the alt-right movement. <laughs> He's a proud member of the Proud Boys. What? <laughs> stand back and stand by. <laughs> Denounce them, Ryan. You guys say it in 1920s announcer voice, like, 
Yeah, he, oh, he is right, my guy. He's a proud man of the Proud Boys. <laughs> yeah, I'll I remember you like dressing like the Terminator when we were kids, clean shaven. But now you have the. I honestly let this thing. I used to try to do like the scruff thing, and then because uh, I like had no faith in the beard. Not that it's great, but like when COVID happened, I got to like just let shit go. And then I just was like, oh, okay. it came in pretty good. Actually. I, didn't even notice yeah. it, I do wish I had like the like where you guys no, are like the higher. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm that's not very manageable though. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, and when I say I'm saying like you look adorable with the, the beard, you have. <laughs> the little beard. <laughs> I didn't say little that time. I just said you look adorable with the beard you have. Well, I I appreciate your uh, your compliment, even though you are a white supremacist son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll take the compliment. Allegedly. <laughs> All right. Front box, the front four. <laughs> All right. Why don't you guys plug yourselves while you're here? Drawing. Who wants to go first? Uh, this is where my music starts right coming in. Oh, nice. Uh, I guess go to giantlayback.com. Uh, what the fuck is in front of the camera? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the cat. The cat's like right here. Um,. Yeah, go to uh, Stay backslash 7 to 10 on Facebook. It's uh, 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. on Saturday morning and 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Saturday night to 89.1 WFDUFM. Okay. And what time is the Batman Museum of Natural History not, open? I'm not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> you can, well, if you make a reservation, they'll let you in. The Museum you, uh, of Batman History in Lower Manhattan. I'm sorry. That's just me hanging out there going, you know, Batman used to hang out up here. <laughs> Like sometimes he's up in the rafters up there. If you look, if you look up, that is up there. Oh, God. All right. Now you tell me. Uh, I don't know. Is that it, Sean? Is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Ryan, tell us where we can. If you really want me to promote where I am? Considering your show is like good and has listeners and is respected, uh, you can find me personally at obsolete mule two five six. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find the show that I ho- a co-host with Vin Frontface LOK um, at Twitter. You can find the show is uh, at Frontface Lock on Twitter at Frontface Lock Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, You're really good at that. I'm not good at that at all. I record. I record it so that I don't have to worry about all that shit. But I know it's it's, it's at Frontface Lock Podcast on everything except Twitter, which is at uh, at Frontface Lock. Which is Twitter, uh, you know, Jay. If you really want to be associated with a show that gets a lot of shit, <laughs> I'm in. You're I part don't. Of, you're I, part of the Front Face Rock Network now. I, yeah, I, um, you're, you're, when we get shit, I'm gonna say it was Jay Burke. Well, I'm going right wing, so I can just do whatever the fuck I want. That's all I'm saying. Well, all right, guys. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. The With Jay Berg Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcast or go directly to jaybergshow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, but I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape a while for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture, and all realms of civic life. See you soon. Everything stuck together